Great morning, everybody. Great, great morning. Uh, hope everyone is having a phenomenal, phenomenal morning. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a solo tonight. Um, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, just had a couple of hiccups uh, with some service with my boy and business partner, Caleb. Uh, so I'll be running solo tonight. I hope everyone's having a great uh, day today. Uh, hopefully this is something that you use to start your week off on a great note. To believe that second quarter is almost done. Uh, second quarter is almost done. Um, second quarter of the year. It's been a crazy year. It's been a crazy year. I hope you guys are out there crushing your goals. Uh, whatever those goals are, hope you're crushing it. If you need any uh, motivational or or just just a motivation, this podcast is a way to uh, to help you with that. Or, you know, you can just shoot me a message on Instagram. You know, just chit chat like, hey, Coop, I'm having a problem with A, B and C. Would you uh, be able to help me out? Uh, I will do my best to give the greatest advice. So just let me know. Uh, but yeah, I hope everyone's having a great uh, start to the week. Uh, for me, last week, um, as you guys know, I'm working on this uh, this project, uh, Mahana Fresh, opening up a franchise in uh, Fargo, North Dakota. I have been really vague about it. I haven't really been saying a lot about it because we're still in the infant stages a little well, I shouldn't say infant stages, but uh we're 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 getting close to to getting into construction. And uh I just know once we get into construction it's gonna move. So uh just stay tuned. Um I'm sure there'll be some episodes coming up where we'll dive deep into this journey, this process. Make sure you watch out for the YouTube channel, which is gonna just be a, a documentary of my journey of seven months uh it was just weekly or bi-weekly videos uh just give an update where i was in the process i'm pumped to to roll that out uh, for you guys to see what it what it's been like uh but yeah other than that we're gonna jump into the show today good morning guys uh on today's episode uh, i got a high school friend of mine um someone who was a beast um, in sports. He was a all-state wrestler in high school. Uh, was a great athlete. Um, he, one of the strongest dudes I know personally. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, CJ Hayes. Hey, what's going on? Thanks for having me, Coop. I, I appreciate you. Um, yeah, how you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. Pump, pump to have you on, man. Um, so yeah, just, just tell our audience a little bit more about, uh, who you are, what you do and why you do what you do. Well, awesome. Well, um, well, first of all, if you guys didn't catch it, uh, my name's CJ Hayes, AKA the silverback. Um, I'm a, a amateur MMA fighter. Um, also fighting Muay Thai. I was the 2018, uh, Thai boxing association, North American champion for Muay Thai. Um, I'm currently two and two as an amateur, just coming off my first loss in combat sports and, 
uh, four years this past Friday um, was my first loss in four years. But um, outside of that, you know, uh, I've been I've been fighting and training for a long time. I've been wrestling for about 15 years. I wrestled D2 NCAAs. Um, and I guess to give you the whole story of why I even jumped into fighting, um, throughout wrestling, my first two years of NCAAs were um, down at Washita Baptist University. It's a private Baptist school uh, down in the Babel Belt. And uh, um, after two years, I, I didn't really fit in down there. Um, not like just from a like religious perspective, but it was just a complete culture shock living on the border of Arkansas, Louisiana, and Texas. So I decided to come back to what I was more familiar to and uh, went to Mankato State, um, essentially moving from uh, a private uh, Bible college uh, back to probably one of the top party colleges in America, as you can see, probably took a toll on my career, um, started prioritizing the wrong things, uh, partying instead of wrestling. Um, at one point in wrestling, I was... Um, I, I was uh, ranked at some point in college wrestling. I, I can't really remember when. I'm guessing sophomore year. But when I transferred, you started seeing my career decline. And uh, senior year of wrestling, um, I went from not having a losing record since my freshman year of high school to being four and six. Now, uh, that was because, you know, the weekend before, I'd be out at the bars and going nuts. And um, eventually... Um, I couldn't handle all the failure and decided instead of prioritizing wrestling, I was just going to prioritize the rest of my life. And I quit wrestling halfway through the season my senior year. Um, probably still to this day, one of my biggest regrets. But eventually, after I graduated college, I cleaned up my act. Um, I've been working in the field of social services. Uh, this December will be 10 years in the field. Um and uh, I got my master's in public administration, and that was when I started really cleaning up my act. But there was always something missing. That competition of combat sports for me um, has always been kind of my, my thing, and it's just kind of in my blood. So I wanted to just join a martial arts gym and compete in jiu-jitsu, but they had, it's one of the top Muay Thai gyms in America. So Muay Thai is like kickboxing, but with elbows and knees as well. So a little bit more vicious. Um, and it's one of the top gyms in the country for Muay Thai. So I was like, well, let's, uh, let's dabble in this new way to get in shape. <laughs> and I started picking up on everything. And uh, the coaches were like, hey, you want to compete in jiu-jitsu? I was like, yeah. So two weeks in, I dominated jiu-jitsu tournament and uh i was like wow i think i still got it and eventually they convinced me to start looking into muay thai and, and mma and um it's been a go ever since uh my debut was uh 2017 my first loss ever as well um it was a good fight and eventually an old college wrestling injury um uh, ruptured. It was uh, my hamstring. It ripped completely off my tailbone and me being the stubborn man I am. Um, I continued to fight even with a torn hamstring. And since this isn't a movie, I got my butt whooped on one leg. <laughs> <laughs> but I was addicted at that point And I was like, I had so much promise in this sport. I'm not just going to let it go like I did my wrestling. And that's why it's just been a go ever since. I've been obsessed with the sport. Um, 
But outside of that, I'm obsessed with balance in my life, too. I don't feel like you can have peace with yourself until you have balance. So, uh, you know, I hurt people in the ring and stuff, but I'm also a social worker outside of that. That's what I do for a living that pays the bills and everything like that. So I feel like life needs balance. So I think why I'm where I'm at is because that's the balance I needed was a combat sports to counteract the very peaceful and caring side of myself as well. Well, see you next week, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Man, that, that, that was awesome. Um, that, that's definitely a lot. That's definitely a lot. Um, it's a lot to chew on, man. I chew on it every day. (laughs) For sure. For sure. No, that's awesome, dude. Can, so can we talk about like a little bit about with, with you being a fighter, um, MMA, like what, what's, what's the training like like what do you do to uh get ready for a fight um well i like to train a lot year round regardless of if i have a fight or not but when um so i'm i'm always doing two a days i love getting up in the morning and whether it's a fight camp or not um i guess that's what determines what i'm doing in the morning um Usually when it's not in fight camp, I'm getting up and doing a lot of lifting and uh, explosive lifts, plyos, and just um, a lot of strength training. And then because uh, uh, I'm short for my weight class, uh, I'm five foot nine and I fight at 185. Uh, so most of my opponents are six two or up. And um, I so I have to have an edge. You know, I got to be really strong, explosive, fast, good at wrestling. Um so I work out every morning um, and, uh, and then the evenings I teach fitness kickboxing, but I also do a regimen, a mixture of Muay Thai. Um, now that things are opening up more jujitsu, uh, I can do more often now. We used to have to train in pods due to COVID, but um, I like to mix up my Muay Thai jujitsu and we have straight MMA classes taught by coach Ben Locken. And he's kind of, he's kind of the one that does it for me. He's uh, the main reason why um, I feel like I never have to leave this gym and never have to leave the state to become a top name fighter um, is because of coach Locken. Um, we call him the mad scientist. And he finally started riding with that nickname. Um, <laughs> and he, <laughs> he, start, he, he puts it together for all of us. He's, He's a crazy man, and uh, and we we love him because he makes us the best us. Um, so yeah, I train when I'm in camp. I train a minimum of three hours a day, six days a week, and then on my seventh day, I try to I call it active rest. So I go take the dog on a hike and uh, just get some yard work done if it's the summer. Um, but yeah, usually I'm training a minimum of three hours a day for six days a week. Um, you is my regimen. So it is, it takes a lot. It takes a lot, but um, it takes a special kind of uh, mentality to be able to do that. But, you know, if somebody's ever taking this sport serious that they want to compete in it, it's what needs to be done. It's just, it's just one of those eat your vegetable moments. You got to get your work in. And then sometimes there's, there's no, there's no way around it, right? You just mm-hmm. got to put in that work. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a really, uh, um, really any sport for that matter, when you compete at a high level, you, you need to almost get really blue collar about it. 
Yeah. Um, and you need to have like you gotta get grit, and you have to you have to really bust your butt in order to um, make your goals actually happen. I, my favorite saying. I don't know who said it. I don't think I'm the first person that said it. So I wouldn't say it's one of my own quotes, but, uh, um, you know, you don't make dreams come true. Just sleeping. I love that. I love that. I love that. Can we, so in wrestling, you know, from the little that I know about it, um, you know, there's, I always see guys here, I hear or hear, you know, see them talking about like cutting weight. Mm-hmm. Um, what is that like when you go from wrestling to MMA? Um, all right. So <laughs> it's really weird because uh, wrestling, I wish I would have known the things that I knew now in MMA. So hopefully if there's any wrestlers listening, they can kind of catch on to this because there's a culture in wrestling. Um Everybody thinks that you need to starve yourself and deplete yourself of water for a long period of time. So um, wrestlers become kind of almost eating disorder like and sometimes full on eating disorder like um, where it depends. It just is not what you're putting in your body. It's what it weighs on the scale. So people eat a pound of food because it's harder to eat a pound of food than drink a pound of water. You drink 16 pounds and 16 ounces of water. It goes down like nothing, especially when you're thirsty. So you're basically tearing your body up because every time you eat a pound of food, your body uses more water to digest that food. And yeah, you're dehydrating yourself. You'll probably make weight, but you probably won't feel good either. Um, In MMA, we break it down more to a science. We are more fortunate than wrestlers. I still to this day will say wrestling is the toughest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, I think it's more so that it's a nine-month grind out of the year, and you're constantly having to make weight every single week, sometimes twice a week. Um, the other biggest difference is wrestling. You get one uh, one hour, especially in college, you get one hour after you weigh in to recover before you compete. Um, in MMA and most forms of fighting, uh, you get a minimum of 24 hours. Uh, this last fight, um, I weighed in at 11 a.m. and I fought at about 6 p.m. the next day. Um, so you get a lot more recovery time, which means, A, you can cut more weight, but you have to do what's called a water load. You have to have your diet to a science. You get yourself to a certain amount of weight over your weight class hydrated. So say we are cutting 10 pounds of water. Um, so the week before your weigh-ins, you should be 10 pounds over fully hydrated and um from that day the week out from weigh-ins for a few days you're going to overload yourself with water now see there's a hormone that um goes off when you deplete your body of water that's why wrestlers swell up like wood ticks after they're done with weigh-ins because they start pounding water and their body starts retaining everything now if they have to make weight twice in a row it becomes a lot harder that second time because that hormone thinks that they're dying so you hold on to a lot of water. And in MMA, when you do this water load, um, you are overflowing that hormone so much that when you do start depleting your body, your body doesn't have enough time to respond to that dehydration. And you're, that hormone's like, ah, we got plenty. Let's just keep throwing it out. So you're still peeing like normal. You're going into the sauna and sweating. 
Um, but you save a lot for the end. So I like, ideally, I like to cut about seven to 10 pounds of water the day before the weigh-ins um, and the day going in. I like to do a little half and half, get most of it off the night before, wake up in the morning. Might not feel that great, but I can still get up and move and do things because I've been pounding water the week prior like a, like a madman. And I've been eating this whole time. So that's the biggest difference is the weight cut is um, more geared for a longer recovery time in MMA. And a lot of wrestlers hurt themselves because they'll keep that old school wrestling mentality and slowly get themselves down over a week span instead of saving it all for the night before. And um, that's how you get yourself hurt because it takes, if you do a mass, like long-term dehydration, it takes 72 hours for your brain to uh, rehydrate fully. So if you get hit in the head, you might get knocked out really easily. It's a, it's a, it's a bit of a science, but I feel like there's a way to do this water load in order to make it work for a one hour recovery as well. It might not be the same, but uh, that would be more of like a, Ben Lockman question and uh I would love to get him on this with you too (laughs) for sure for sure no that's that's awesome dude you know it's you know and as I've you know gone through my years of high school and college like it's funny when you know when you start learning these things that you wish you knew back in your younger days um you know just like understanding your body and how you can I don't want to say trick your body but like how just understanding your body you can do certain things and put yourself in certain situations because you have such a keen understanding of how your body works um so that's 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 pretty neat that's pretty neat um can can we let's talk a little bit about the like your mindset a little bit in um in college you know you talked a little bit about like you know when you went through college you were kind of you know kind of partying and and yeah. not really so much focused on being a wrestler. Um, you know, can, can we just talk a little bit about your mindset from, you know, what was going on to, you know, making that decision to like, I'm done with this yeah. life. I need to clean up my act. So, um, so yeah, well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat this part. Um, you know, it, uh, the one that got me was cocaine. And, um, I'm pretty open about this. A lot of people who have overcome their issues, um, especially one as major as that are pretty embarrassed and yeah, it's embarrassing, but I've spoken about it enough where I feel like it's okay. It should be okay to talk about because I'm better than what I was before. So cocaine's really the one that got me. I really, I just enjoyed partying and, um, what that, what that poison does to you is it creates an immediate need for it. So even if you used it 10 minutes ago, you're thinking about it again. And um, it really just kind of takes your mind off of everything else in your life. And um, especially wrestling, something, your goals gone. Um, And this isn't one of those big uh, anti-drug sentiments or anything like that. People are going to do their thing. I just say do it intelligently and if you think you can't handle it, you're probably right and you probably shouldn't ever do that stuff. But I know people are going to live, they're going to do, they're going to make their decisions. Um, but that was the one that really screwed me um, to where I think when my mind changed um, I can I can pinpoint it actually from when I decided to quit uh wrestling that senior year was 
I was at a point where I'd just come off a three-day binge partying and stuff and then cut a bunch of weight, felt like garbage, um, and I was wrestling and I lost my first match that, like, didn't happen for that, – that didn't happen often um, in my college wrestling or high school wrestling career. I lost my first match, so now if I want to place, I gotta, I can't lose again for a long time in this tournament. In my very next match, I was beating the guy – and then I got really, really tired because I had a bad weight cut and I had just been partying and that stuff shoots away all of your cardio. Um, and I was riding a little high on top of him. I took him down and I was a little high on top of him. He just reached up, grabbed my head and starts flipping me over to my back. And as I rolled to my back, I remember in my head that it just sticks with me. It's just the, the words that went through my head is, I don't care anymore. And, uh, um, that really, that, that was what did it for quitting that. No, I quitting wrestling and, um, down the road, like I, I'm more fortunate than a lot of other people. I know a lot of people have had to go to rehab and they've had to do rehab multiple times, live in a sober living house. And I'm much more fortunate that, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't think it's a mental toughness thing. I think it was like a, I was really hard on myself to where in order to clean myself up, I literally didn't eat anything and I locked myself in my apartment. Uh, um, I had a roommate in Mankato and but we all we we both we shared a kitchen, but we both had our own bathroom in our bedroom. And I locked myself in my room with a gallon jug of water and I drank three gallons a day for about a week and I didn't answer. I, I just shut my phone off and I had to turn off everything in order to kind of reset. And when I reset myself, I decided to start setting my own professional goals. I thought all combat sports had, I thought the ship had already sailed for me. And um, I started setting my professional goals. I was making a difference in lives, working with disabilities and I was like, okay, I'm going to get my master's degree. I'm going to better my, I'm going to advance in this career and I'm going to help do my part in order to change the community in general and their view of people with disabilities, autism, mental illness. Um, I'm going to do my part. And, um, and then, yeah, like I said before, jumping back into combat sports, um, was just because I felt like I was missing something. I think that's why I'm so good at it at this point, because I don't feel like I have to do it. It's something I enjoy. Um, it's not what pays the bills. That's <laughs> that's for damn sure. Not not <laughs> yet, at least. Not yet. <laughs> not, not yet. But, uh, but right now, it's not what pays the bills. And so I do it because I love it. Um, I think I'm... I'm not one of those guys where I'm going to say I did it off mental toughness alone. I'm lucky. I'm, I'm lucky that I was able to get through and clean up my act. Um, like I know a lot of people, including past friends and stuff, haven't been able to do. And um, I think that it's, it's got to take something special in order to find that in yourself. And that's why I never really diss on anybody who is a drug addict or formerly a drug addict is because I, you know, um, they, they're probably having it worse than I did. Um, and, and when I came back, I still had a huge support group behind me. So yeah. I was, I was fortunate. That's thanks for sharing that, man. That's yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Well, you yeah. Start, 
What's that? I I say, you know, man, uh, it's 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 just guy. It's, it's something that you know, I it's part of my life. It's part of what's made me me at this point in my life too. So, and that's cool, man. Like, and just hearing you talk, like I I really hear you owning your story, right? Like owning what made you. You know, there's there's some good. There's you know, there's some bad. But I I just love how you are taking that bat that part that's bad and just using it as fuel right to yeah. to push you to do these things um which is great can can you said in when you were talking you were talking you said that you started writing down professional goals yep um i'm a very strong believer that you know you need goals in your life right yeah. um can you just talk a little bit about that process and like what that has meant uh to you well for me the the beginning of the process is you got to write them down um i know a lot of people think that's corny i'm like i I, me personally i have to write it down i can't just keep a goal in my head i'm very adhd (laughs) (laughs) but if i write it down i'll i'll remember it and uh um, so you gotta have it written. That's the first step is, and, um, and, and the second step for me is you got to speak it into reality. Um, mm-hmm. Love it. You, you, you have to, you have to manifest it. Um, uh, it didn't play out my way in this last fight. Um, you know, sometimes in a fist fight, you, you both kind of start throwing hands together and one of them connects and it might not be you that time. Um, but, uh, the the last fight before that I uh, I spoke it into reality because um, I I got a thirteen second knockout in my fight prior to this one. Wow! And, yeah, yeah, it was uh, it, it was it was pretty wild. But um, uh, prior to even that fight, there was a um, I kind of fell for a crappy promotion that used my name to sell tickets but they didn't sell they didn't send the contract for the fight to the opponent they told me that they sent it to they didn't send it to anybody so they were just using my name to sell tickets locally because they know if you say cj hayes is going to be headlining a lot of this card in saint paul then everybody's going to go nuts and buy tickets because i'm pretty my most my fan base is in saint paul because saint paul stays pretty true to their guys yeah Um, and uh um, after that, I lost a lot of fans, man. Like I like looked overnight and I like lost 200 Instagram followers. And I mean, inst- I don't base my uh, notoriety off of followers or anything like that, but they, if that's going, it's showing something. So, yeah. um, before this, the fight prior to my fight last Friday, um, this, uh, I, I said to the guys on trash talk, um, that I was, going to win my fans back with an overhand right and i predicted a first round knockout i did not predict 13 seconds but i won 13 seconds of the first round with an overhand right you have to speak these things into reality if you want them to actually happen and i don't mean go around with a megaphone and yelling at all your friends and bugging everybody and telling everybody but like anytime you know somebody checks in with you you tell them what you're doing and you tell them what you're gonna do um and and believe it don't say it just to say it. you got to believe it um that's that's the biggest part manifest it write it down speak it into reality and then do it 
go do the damn thing. And even if you fail the first time, uh, if you fail the second time, you know, you, it's just one of those things. you got to keep chomping at the bit. You can't let it scare you off because your goals for yourself are the most important thing for your own happiness. Mm. Man, love it. Love, <laughs> it. love it. Let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, this this fight last Friday. Um, I, so you put, you put something up, I don't know if it it was on Facebook or Instagram, but I saw it on your Instagram. Um, and when I, I saw what you put up and I was like, okay, he's, he's got the mentality. He's, he's got the mentality. Can you just talk a little bit about the lessons that you learned from this fight? Oh yeah, uh, there's there's a lot more to be learned when I sit down with my coaches and stuff eventually here, but um, you know um in the moment you know and just to give a little backstory on that fight beforehand uh that was uh me versus Jeff Nielsen um and anybody who is a Minnesota wrestling fan that followed the local wrestling circuit when in our era knows that Jeff Nielsen and I were national team teammates for the team Minnesota in all the off seasons of high school wrestling. Um, We followed each other's careers through college wrestling and through mixed martial arts. And we knew that this fight was going to happen eventually. Um, We have nothing but respect for each other. Actually, a while back, we texted each other like, bro, if we both keep winning, we're going to end up fighting each other. And then sure enough, we see the contract, but, um, (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, um, but uh, uh, we knew that this one was going to be a banger and in the first round I came out there and I did everything we trained in camp everything was playing out perfectly um, I was moving better than I'd ever moved I usually um, kind of had this uh, um, I kind of had this um, notoriety for just like basically walking forward and knocking people out you know this is uh, freight train, basically, but I wanted to be able to move, and I I knew I couldn't just walk Jeff Nielsen down, so I was moving like a snake man, side to side, zigging, zagging, hitting him with my jab, sticking him with leg kicks, um, and I definitely won the first round. I outscored the crap out of him, but um, going, but his shots weren't feeling good either. It was like okay, he can't <laughs> hurt you, you know. It was like yeah. I was like, you got to be careful. He can still hurt you. But then we went out there and my biggest flaw as a fighter um, is I, uh, I get really brawly sometimes and I am completely comfortable with getting into that brawl instead of being the technical fighter, even if I'm the more technical fighter. Yeah, I, I think it also has to do with my gym is so full of really high level technical fighters that I have to brawl in order to get the better of them in a round. So sometimes I feel like I need to brawl even if I don't. And um, that's kind of what happened in the second round. Um, I was sticking moving for a minute, but then he hit me. He hit me with like kind of a brawly type overhand. And, and I actually said, I was like, I was like, okay, you want to go? And then I did my old habits, kind of put my hands down and just started throwing and, um, and, you know, we were hitting each other and I was the one that got clipped and, um, and I learned my lesson, you know, like he, it, it wasn't one. And luckily I, I was fortunate. I didn't go completely to sleep. It was one of those shots that my knees just gave out. I took it right on the chin and just went down and I was like, kind of 
oh crap, this is, this is happening. And, um, <laughs> so I was really well aware. Um, and, uh, it, it was just one of those shots, man. It's not, I'm, it was not a lucky shot. It was a well-calculated shot on his end. And, um, um, really I, um, a lot of things I learned in that fight is that I can be the technical fighter. Um, I can believe in my training and not have to go back to just what I'm comfortable with, um, in order to win a fight. Um, in fact, sometimes going back to what you're comfortable with might lose you the fight like it did me. And, um, and I also like learned a bit about myself sportsmanship wise. Um, I hate losing. <laughs> I still, uh, I, I'm over it now. You know, we're past it cause we got to keep working if we want to get better, but I hate losing man. And, uh, um, but I had to give respect where respect was due. And Jeff Nielsen, you know, he said to me after the fight is, you know, you made me a better fighter. I had to almost kill myself in order to, in this training in order to beat you. And, and I respect that because I almost had to, I almost killed myself training for him too. And that's what this is all about is just getting out there and putting it all on the line. Um, I think I learned a lot about myself sportsmanship wise, but also that like I, if you watch any of my previous interviews before this fight, I told them, you know, with COVID lockdown and everything, I was going through a depression just like everybody else. Um, and everybody has their own issues that they're dealing with in life. And I said, after this fight, all the things that were bothering me are not going to bother me anymore because I'm going to leave it in the cage. And I still, I, st- I spoke that into reality. I feel like I left that into the cage as well. Um, everything that I carried with me from 2020, that heavy ass orangutan that everybody <laughs> carried on their back, you know, yeah. everybody carried it in some way, shape or form. And I was able to leave mine out there this time. So um i learned that about myself too i'm i'm i can let things go man that's powerful man i love it yeah man i uh, love it. i um i don't want to say i feel woke but i've i've felt awakened for a for a few months now man and i've uh um I, i'm in the right place mentally um I, even though i'm still a little sad that i lost i mean nobody wants their I was on a four-year win streak, seven fights in a row, and uh, as a hard pill to swallow, but, you know, it's going to happen eventually, and you got to be able to handle it. Otherwise, you'll never come back. Yeah. No, that's cool, man. That's cool. That's cool. Um, what, what, what motivates CJ? Oh, man. Uh, it, it used to be the fear of failure, um, and I just don't think I'm fueled off of fear anymore. Um, I think what motivates me is I have um, a particular footprint that I want to leave when I'm gone. Um, and, uh, and I don't mean just out of the sport, but like when I'm dead and in the ground, there's a particular footprint I want to leave. Uh, I'm not one that's going to say, oh, I'm going to change the world. But if I can change um, a few lives, um, and in my case, as a social worker, I, I have changed quite a few. Um, and I've been fortunate to have that platform to be able to do so. But, um, if I can, you know, if I can help people and help my community and also, um, kind of, even if I, yeah, I mean, I don't have any kids right now, but even if I didn't have kids down the road, um, but I still take care of my own, 
um, and show people that that's, that's the way to live. I think I can, I, I think that's how I can have my own inner peace. And I think that's what I'm chasing. I honestly, I can't, that's the only thing I can put words on is that I'm chasing inner peace. Um, funny that I'm chasing it through violence, but, um, but that's where I'm chasing it. So, um, cause I feel like the, the sport itself is violent, but I feel like the lifestyle it can give me at the end of the day, when it does pay the bills, like we said, um, is, um, is definitely the life I want to live, not a flashy life, but a life that I can leave a comfortable life for the people after me. Love it. Love it. Now you, you just said something. Um, and on this podcast, we always ask, uh, how you deal with fear. And you said that the fear of failure doesn't motivate you or anymore. My, my question is how, how did you get there? How did you get to that point? Uh, I think it was this last fight, man. Um, sometimes man, you learn a lot more from a loss. Um, I have always been scared of losing. I hate losing. Um, but when it happened, um, and the way I responded, it, it wasn't like, uh, Oh, I thought about what I would, how I would respond after the loss. Um, cause I don't think about that before the fight. I think I have nothing but overwhelming confidence for myself going in. Um, but, uh, I think, I just realized how much I've matured. Um, and it takes, it, it takes maturity to be able to not let that, uh, to be able to get over fears. I, I don't have any fear left. Um, um, I, obviously the sport itself is scary to me. <laughs> I mean, nobody wants to be the next guy that goes on YouTube and gets knocked out and craps their pants. Nobody wants to yeah. be that guy. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, but hey, I didn't crap my pants when I got knocked out this time. So. <laughs> but uh, um, but uh, um, and obviously that uh, like random fear of like, hey, I'm gonna be in a fist fight here in like a couple hours. That's always gonna be there backstage. But I think that's normal. Um, but the fear of failure. Um, when I failed so many times in my life, but I still see that I still have my support. I um, I still have myself I still have me like and and what I mean by that is not like my own health and safety what I mean is I'm still me I'm I've always been a bit different and uh I I don't ever want to be like everybody else I can I'm still going to be me at the end of the day and I think that's why um the fear of failure hasn't freaked me out as much anymore um is because I've I I've failed so many times and I've still come so far and I'm still going further. Um, the failure is just another life lesson to me. So, man, that's great. When you and I feel like the big thing with failure is or fear is people don't really talk through it. You know, it's it's like, well, what what <laughs> is driving that? You know, like, is it even real? You know, I always say, you know, fear means false expectations appearing real, right? Mm -hmm. Doesn't doesn't ever mean anything, right? It's just how your brain is interpreting what you're going through, right? Mm -hmm. Um, No, so that's great. That's great. Um, Can you just, can we, 
can we talk a little bit about uh your math your um you said you graduated with a master's in uh public administration pub, yeah public administration look can you talk can you talk about that like what made you wanna again oh. go above and beyond <laughs> right uh, <laughs> oh man all right so um I'll, I'll tell you why I picked public administration first. And then there's a funny story why I decided like the final, it wasn't why I decided, but the final determining factor is pretty hilarious story, especially if anybody listening has ever worked in the field of human services, especially in caregiving and counseling, they'll think that was funny. But first, uh, the reason why I did public administration is because, um, I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a social worker and just like, cause if I got masters in social work, I'm kind of stuck to just one area of the field. Um, in public administration, what that means in general is just government and action. Um, so I can work for the County, help create more policies for human services, um, perhaps be, um, an investigator for either I don't want to do child protective services uh, that's too depressing but I would you know uh, an investigator with adult protective services and group homes or abuse reports and stuff like that um, there's a lot of different things I can do it's more um, kind of like uh, um, uh, it has more utility to it to it, it, for what I want to do. And then second of all is because my dad was the first person in our family to graduate with a bachelor's and he did public administration. My dad has worked for the boys and girls clubs uh, first, you know, all the way um, all over the place, but a lot of the years up here in the twin cities and really turned these programs around and turned them into gold basically. And, um, uh, then he went back down to Missouri, and he is the CEO of the Boys and Girls Clubs down in the Branson area, Stone County, and um, he's still changing lives. He's been executive of the year multiple times, um, and um, he's been he's been one of the biggest catalysts for the Boys and Girls Club in the past 30 years, and watching him do this and make such a positive impact, I've always wanted to do something similar to what he does, but in a field that um, kind of hits more home to me for some reason, but that's with adults with disabilities and mental illness and stuff. I wanted to go a different, slightly different route. Now, um, why I decided whether the final uh, push, I was a, a counselor in a children's crisis center. So children any age, four to 19, could be in this uh, center. Um, sometimes you get the, um, kids that were like kind of more gang affiliated and it was their, their options were, um, 120 days in juvie or 90 days in the crisis center and they picked the crisis center and I'd have, I'd work with those kids, but then you get, you know, the nonverbal autism with high behaviors, you get all sorts of kids in there. Well, um, one day I came in strolling in at 5 a.m., and I was questioning on the drive there. It was thirty-five minute drive to that job, and um, I was, the whole way I was like, "Should I? Should I just do the application? You could, you could probably get it done pretty quickly if you did quarters instead of semesters, um, all this stuff." And um, I show up to the center. <laughs> it's five a.m. And I already hear screaming outside the door because the crisis center. <laughs> oh, man. And I already hear screaming outside. It's typical 5 a.m. here, huh? You know? yeah. I come walking in. 
and one kid is butt naked. He literally takes a poop in his hand. He pooped in his hand right in front of me at 5 a.m. and throws it at me as I walk in. And I matrix that man. Like I was Neo from the matrix and that thing, <laughs> man. And it splattered on the wall behind me. I turn around, <laughs> I turn around at 5am. I look at this poop dripping off the wall, realizing I'm going to have to clean this. And I went, yeah, go get your master's. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like You're apl- I'm applying when I'm off today. <laughs> and, uh, oh, it's those moments, right? Oh man, yeah, Those I was moments. It. the whole drive, man. I got in the house, and I, that that poop missed me by an inch, man. And I was like, "Oh man, I gotta go apply for that." <laughs> and, uh, That's funny. Yeah, yeah, man. You know, hey, there's guys that still work at that crisis center that I know, and you know, it's not like a it's a it's not like a beneath me job. But man, I did not want to get poop thrown at me ever again. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and and. and the the poop and you know little kids can be terrors man oh man yeah and you add schizophrenia to that kid because I mean, little yeah. kids are already mean man and then you yeah. have, that kid has a false sense of reality now uh, like uh, and like maybe fetal alcohol syndrome so it's even more heartbreaking because it's like oh this kid was already dealt bad cards when he was born you know and like it was just all it dude, it was terrible man yeah. <laughs> it is a tough job oh that's crazy but um but yeah no I um. I, I love I love that I got my master's because I'm the first person in my entire family to get their master's. Um, that's one thing uh, that I'm really proud about. My dad always tells me, oh, why don't you finish it up? Go get your doctorate. So I'm like, I'll let my kid be the nerd. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, uh, and uh, uh, but but no, it's, it's one thing I was really proud about. And also um, it helps me even even in the jobs after a, so I gotten that pretty early in my life, that master's, um, I had it by 25, I believe. So about four years now with the master's. Um, and, uh, um, I, I, not all of my jobs did I have to utilize that master's degree, but it sure helped with perspective and being able to do extra things like analyze some of the policies within a company and be like, Hey, you know, like, this seems pretty outdated. You know, um, we don't call uh, like, like, uh, like people, like the word for people served has changed so many times as client, it's consumer, it's person served and stuff. And I go, you know, color me crazy, but what if we were the company that in our policy, instead of calling them people served, we just call them by their name. So in here, we'll say the individual, but instead of saying in our reporting person served, we say Peggy, you know, like, uh, they're, they're people. Let's yeah. treat them like it. Cause if I was somebody's mother or if I was somebody's kid reading about my mom and they they just kept referring to her as person served, or at one point they were even given a number well before I was outside of the field. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, yep. but, um, but like, if I read that report, it would break my heart, man. I wouldn't even feel like they're treating my, like my family, like a person. So, yeah. Um, you know, I think I can utilize, um, my master's down the road here, even if it's not as a social worker, but a public policy analyst or public policy writer to make that be one of the parts is being able to just like, cause um, that's been why I've been so successful in the field is, um, and it's going a little bit off tangent here. Um, but, um, in the field, 
um, these guys with disabilities, cognitive delays, autism, they get told, treated like they're different their whole lives. And um, that's why they act different, man. And I and I'm a firm believer in obviously you got to have some leeway because you got to understand their disabilities, but hold them accountable and treat them like a normal person. You know, and you see a lot more success um, because if you if you just baby them or every time that they're having like kind of a meltdown, you just kind of blow it off like it's nothing. They're not being acknowledged. They're not being heard and they don't feel like people anymore. So why the hell would they act like people? So and that's why I enjoy that I have my master's is because I can always eventually down the road here when I'm older, have a little more respect in the field. Um and uh, I can I can be the one that makes that happen, you know. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's a cool uh, perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, what um, what advice would you give your eighteen year old self? Um, you know, uh, obviously, um, you know, a lot of former addicts would say, you know, don't do that or something like that. But no, I. I I would, I would tell them make mistakes, um, make mistakes, live with them and get better about living with your mistakes. Now, um, don't be, don't be afraid of failure. Um, that would 18 year old me wouldn't have listened to that part. 18 year old me was terrified (laughs) of failure. Um, and, uh, but I, I would tell them, you know, don't, don't fear failure. Um, take, take them as lessons and, all the like all the corny stuff that a lot of your coaches in your life and a lot like your dad has said to you and stuff like that listen to it listen to it for the message not for what the words are but what the message is behind it um because the message uh the message is what sparks the journey and like the old saying goes is not the destination it's the journey um that is the most important you know and uh the message is what really sparks the journey and if you just listen and don't don't speak just listen you'll you'll be able to get the message um and i feel like that's for everybody there's all it might not be the same route um everybody has different goals everybody has different abilities but um it, but if you everybody has a message and they can they can do something with themselves that they will be happy with um I, I guess that's the only advice I give my 18 year old self is listen to the messages. That's awesome. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, CJ, this has been great. Uh, really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. Um, is there, if people want to like ch- chat with you or get a hold of you, like where, where do you prefer they reach out to you at? Oh yeah, you can DM me on uh, either Facebook or uh, Instagram. Uh, Instagram's King Dot Silverback, and uh, um, uh, Facebook is just Cooper James Hayes. Yeah, me and Cooper ch- share the best name in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Love but, it. Uh, Love it. But, but yeah, um, just give me a shout. I'm uh, I, I if you look at my profile pictures, I look mean. I'm probably one of the nicer MMA fighters out there. Um, <laughs> Uh, and, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, but but that's how you can reach me. And, um, you know, and uh, anybody that's listening, who's a wrestler, you know, um, talk to Ben Locken about a weight cut. I trust me. You'll, you'll, 
probably end up in the Olympics. That's how I feel at this point. <laughs> mm, is that am I here? Is that a goal, CJ? Did you just did you just say no, something? no, 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 no? There's no Olympic goal. I, 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 that's <laughs> what I say to Coach Ben all the time. I'm like, yeah. if I would have known you when I was wrestling, I would have been an Olympian. Is what I always say to him. Like, yo, I, I would have been an Olympian if I was still have my like youth for wrestling. Because wrestling, I mean, once you're near in thirty. I mean, some freaks out there don't need to hang it up. But a lot of people they can't they can't physically handle the yeah. kind of wrestling. So, um, but but yeah, if I would have known Ben when I was eighteen, shoot, I would have been an Olympian for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but but before we go, how'd you come up with King Dot Silverback? Well, um, the nickname the Silverback was given to me by John Castaneda. He is a good friend of mine, fights out of Minnesota, and he fights for the UFC now. Just recently got a TKO win in his second UFC fight. And uh, um, he, I, I'm a firm believer uh, fighters should never give themselves a nickname. You have to be given it. And mm, okay. I was, I was helping John with some strength training before one of his fights. And, uh, I was hitting a lift myself. I forget what lift it was. Um, but, uh, I, I have a sloped forehead. I'm covered in body hair. I'm five foot nine with, uh, <laughs> I'm five foot nine with a six, two reach. I have a 74 and a half inch reach. Oh, wow. And, uh, that's, that's, that's how I get them. They think I'm short, but I can still hit them. Um, <laughs> um but, uh, but he was watching me lift and I have sloped forehead and apparently it was sloping more while I was lifting. He said, and he's like, God, you're like a silverback gorilla. And then all of a sudden like, I was like laughing and I started beating on my chest and he was like, he's like, there it is. He's like, it's the silverback CJ Hayes. And he even introduced it like that, like at the front. That's why I love it like that. I tell the announcers every time I'm like, announce it ahead of my name. It's like macho man, Randy Savage. It's the silverback CJ Hayes. And uh, <laughs> the Silverback was taken on Instagram, so I went with King Silverback because kind of like King Kong, you know. So, man, love it! I yeah. love it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, buddy. CJ, just want to say thanks, man, again. Um, you're busy, dude. Uh, make sure you go follow CJ on IG uh, at King Silverback. Um, got a lot of great content on there, so make sure you look him up. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, CJ, thank you. All right, Cooper. I'll talk to you later, man. Yep, bye. Bye. Another great episode. Seriously, before I talk about this podcast, I love it when Caleb's not on here because I can talk all the mess I want to talk. And I don't got no one here to keep me in check. Well, my wife is going to keep me in check, but that's for another day. Let's um let's talk about this for a second. So CJ Hayes, ladies and gentlemen. Uh that was great. Uh some of the takeaways for me in this episode. Um the whole writing down of goals when he went through that detox locking himself in his room for about a week with water that's that's crazy that's that's definitely some next uh next level stuff there um but he said he wrote down his professional goals and then he also talked about 
speaking them into existence and manifesting your goals. And you guys know me pretty well. I'm a big goal guy. Uh, you know, I write my goals down twice a day. Um, and hearing somebody on that level believe that um, it's it's cool. It's, it's, it's incredible. And, and I'm sure, you know, having goals helped him get through that time in his life. You know, and I always... I always say that's why you need goals. You need direction, um, you know, so you can stay focused, so you can know what you need to get done day in and day out and see the bigger picture, the bigger uh, purpose for yourself. So that was that was uh, great. And then he also said um, he learns a lot from his losses. Um, and he talked about failure in this episode quite a bit and. Um, just hearing him talk about losing and failing. And even if you fail again, keep trying it because that's, that's how you learn. That's how you grow. And that's how you get closer to success. Um, and so I thought, I thought that was great. Um, but yeah, you learn, you learn a lot more from failing than you do winning. Um, the lesson, the lessons from failures are, are lessons that you will need, when you're on your way to the top or wherever you're going, you're going to need those lessons. And the only way to, to get those lessons is to take some losses at the end of the day. Um, and so that was that was great. And, uh, yeah, so those are the couple things that I took um, from this episode. Uh, great dude. Loved his story. Um, I really enjoyed how he... He owned his story. Um, you know, he's got a great story. You know, he's got a lot of good and some, and some bad in there. But I, I loved how he owned all, all of it, right? And we all have a story to tell. You know, we all have s- some good and some bad. Um, but it's the owning of it and using that bad to fuel you on your journey that sets your story apart from others. You know, and I, I love how he was vulnerable with that some of that stuff, um, which was great. And so just remember, you got a story and your story is is unique and someone needs to hear it. And uh, just like CJ, he's got a, a great story with some of the things he dealt with on his way to being a fighter. And, you know, and he's overcame that. So that was that was great to hear. Uh, yeah. So those those are some of the things that I've I learned from him. Um, make sure you go follow him on IG, uh, dude, dude's got a, um, how should I say it? He's got a tough beard. I love it. He's got a tough beard. Um, you can see some of his, his posts he's put up there from some of the training he does and stuff like that. So make sure you go look him up. King dot silverback on IG. I'll put a link in the, uh, in the show notes uh so yeah thanks again cj appreciate that um again please uh subscribe leave a review and i think that's it everybody um so yeah it's monday let's have a great week everybody bye